Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing Sunday afternoon here in San Francisco and Sunday early evening there uh, for Mr. McMahon, who I'll introduce in a second. But first, Tim Bontemps and I are in the Chase Center at very expensive, undisclosed locations. Right, Bontemps? I mean, I'd say this entire building is a pretty expensive location, but yes, we are uh, We are both here in different areas, hanging out. We are we are both here in um, areas that neither one of us will be at uh, during game five. We would be summarily dismissed from these areas if we would try to get in during game five. Banned, if and you will. It ain't the locker room. Not banned from here yet, but uh, he was on thin ice in the Western Conference Finals. Joining us from Dallas, Texas is Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. I'm uh, curious to see what happens when Bontemps raids the uh, bar behind him post-pod. Wendy, I know you restrain from or refrain from such activities. They do have some vittles in here for tomorrow night. I'm speaking Texan. They, they you know, <clears throat> that I could uh, dip into and potentially face charges. Um, I, uh, I've, I've, become very fond of uh Ime Udoka press conferences uh during this last six weeks and uh today um we had a, another excellent one um where you know this series is so much now become about Steph Curry and he didn't actually shrug his shoulders but he metaphorically shrugged his shoulders when asked about how great Steph Curry has been he was like yeah, you know, they're averaging about the same amount of points each game. It's really more about our offense than anything else. And he was asked about, you know, the <clears throat> Celtics, you know, dis- decision to remain in that drop coverage where when Steph comes off those screens, they're big men. Sometimes they're big men come up a little bit, but in general, they're giving them space. And he's like, yeah, we're pretty happy. Be- well, he didn't, these aren't his exact words, but I'm summarizing. He was like, yeah, it's pretty good because the, uh, the Warriors don't ever care about uh, the role man who sets the screen. They don't even worry about him. So it lets our big guys, um, you know, be out there to defend Steph more. And so like, I would just determine the Celtics situation as relative to Steph Curry as unbothered. Uh, they're looking at it and saying, Hey, this, the Celtic, the uh, Warriors averaged 115 points a game against the Mavericks. They're a pretty good defense. They're only averaging 105 against us. They shot 51% against Dallas, 52%. They're only shooting like 44% against us. We're doing just fine. And so this is a thing like Steph Curry. I know that this sounds crazy. I think he can shoot even more. I'm not Mm. sure he's going to be able to um, score more effectively because he's shooting 50% overall, 49% from three. Bontemps. I think he can take even more shots if if it's there. I think the Celtics are willing to let him do it. I think the Celtics are gambling that Steph is not going to keep up this shooting percentage. And even if he does, they think it's winnable. And I think there's even more room for Steph Curry if he's got something he can do to, to even give more. I mean, this has been your uh, take for a few days now that Steph is first. Steph was not playing great. I've won that argument. How's it? Uh, how's it? How's and, it looking now? Uh, Do you think he's playing? On, you think his person? You think his uh, is that, that his output is increasing at all? You think he disagreed with that with that viewpoint? I let Bontemps finish his it. bad points. 
I think I think Steph's been playing pretty great the whole series, given he's 24 50 from three. Uh, it's pretty, it's pretty good. As for shooting more, I mean, look, he's already averaging 12 and a half threes a game. I think it's a little hard to expect him to shoot more than that. And I think I think you're right, but I think the point is at the other end of it. It's what we've talked about really going back all the way through the playoffs. If the Celtics don't turn the ball over and don't give offensive rebounds up and extra possessions to Golden State, the Celtics are the better team and they will win these games, sort of irregardless of what Steph is doing. I think that's more the point. Steph had an incredible game in game four. He had 43 points. The defense was totally panicked every second he had the ball on the court. Didn't matter where he caught it. I don't think they were panicked. Well, I think they were okay. I think I mean, they were like, okay, this is what we're willing to give. I mean, I would not say that we're willing to give up these shots to Steph. I think they would say he's making incredible shots. I what I, I, what think, I think they were I think they obviously everybody thinks they can do better, but I think they were like, all right, this is these are the shots that we we want to make and I know, take. But you're right. You're missing the point though. What he what he what he's talking about is they don't need if they don't turn the ball over and give up free possessions to Golden State and transition points and they don't give up offensive rebounds and extra possessions to Golden State. It doesn't matter what Steph does because they think they are going to have enough to win the game regardless that it's on them to play better on offense. So I don't think like that's what I would say. Like, yeah, Steph could maybe shoot more, but like. Steph is, I don't think I would is, term it. It doesn't matter what Steph does. I think what, what he's saying is what Steph is doing is survivable. Is what so he's basically here, saying. Here's the thing. Wendy, I was with you through game three that Steph had not played great by his standards, by his standards doing a lot of work there consistently through the first three games of this series. Game four was arguably, I'm going to say probably, the best playoff performance of his career, considering the performance, considering the stakes. And I just think it's crazy for you to, like the Celtics aren't happily giving Steph open looks. He's having to work for every single look that he gets. So my point is, you're like, he needs to shoot more. Dude, do you know how hard it is for Steph Curry when basically he's the one guy out there that they fear? Offensively, took, to get up twenty six shots in a game, right? And fourteen seventh most of his playoff I, I, career. I think you're missing the nuance. I'm not okay. saying Literally. that he. I'm saying there's there's more room for him. There, I just Boy, don't I think, think that. I think you're. More. I think you're literally looking at what he may said from the opposite end. I think that's. I think like what he was saying was, if we do what we need to do on offense and we don't turn the ball over, and we finish possessions defensively and get rebounds, that we are in control of winning the game. And it doesn't – Steph is going to do his thing. That was what he was yeah. saying. This, that's not – that's a different thing than the Celtics are okay with what Steph is doing. I would, I would disagree. They're, I mean, he's causing their defense to scramble all over the place, and they're in a, in a fire alarm every time he's got the ball. Of but, course. But if they don't turn the ball over – it yes. won't matter. That's what he was saying. Not that there's, I don't think to, to expect Steph who's having to create every shot for himself, who's hitting half his threes when all of them are basically pull up attempts. He's getting no catch and shoot looks. He's getting no clean looks. They're all difficult shots. He's just an, the greatest shooter of all time by an X, you know, an exponential degree. Yeah. That all it's true. not, 
it's so that to me that what he's talking about is what we have said time and time again, don't turn the ball over. Don't give them extra shots. We win the game. That's, that's, what, that's he's, what he's that, saying. That's what he's saying. That's what he is saying. What yes. I am saying is that there's even more room there for Steph. Dude, if he's able we to just do saw, it. So, all right, well, hold on, hold on. Big man, real quick. Steph performance. And you're like, it's like I'm you have a delicious you, meal and you're like, just, the world well, just wait a second. I, here, man, wait a you're second. missing the point. I'm not no, saying no, no, he's going to, he's going to play better. What what is what is the what what is the hold on a second just let's just drill down on this, like he had probably the greatest game of his career in Game Four. What what would you what would you That's like him true. to be? The greatest I mean, playoff performance of his career. I he would had the argue greatest is, playoff performance of his. Career. I mean, I would just meaning, the, game the most career. meaningful performance of his career. Yeah, okay, we just watch, and you're like, we need more. We yeah. need more. So Andy hold on, hold on. But you're what missing it, the nuance. I'm not saying that he's going to well, shoot better. Sucks, Brian. Brian, what we're asking is what we're asking (laughs) you. I mean, you keep saying we're missing the nuance. So what what can he be doing more that he didn't do in game four? I'll make it real simple. He took 26 shots. I think he can take 30. I think he can take 32. But he, dude, he's only taken 30 plus shots in a playoff game three times in his career. You don't think Ben, he's never been in this situation before. Dude, Yeah. So so he's working his ass off to get up 26. It's hard to win the title. It's hard to win the finals. I just, um, I, I think this is just a completely ridiculous okay. backwards let's, look at let, this. Let, let, let's take a step back. I thought there was a chance that after Steph beat them that way in game four, and as they looked at four games worth of data and said, damn, Steph's shooting 50% on threes. He's killing us. Maybe, you know, Clay's not really doing much. Jordan Poole is kind of up and down. They're playing Draymond less minutes. Maybe we should think about breaking the seal and going to the double team. That's one of the things that I thought we might see happen in game five is that the give the the, the turn is that they're not going to let Steph continue to put the gas down on the pedal. And Steph is even Steph today. I mean, again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and surmising. This is not exactly what he said, but he was basically like, look, They've got their defensive strategy. They think it's going to work. Good luck to them is basically what he said. And so what I'm saying is I then went in today and listened to what the Celtics said. And in fact, they're not going to do that. It doesn't sound like at least maybe it's a smokescreen. They're not going to send the traps. They're okay with the way things are going defensively. And so I'm just saying if they're still not going to send the traps and there's still going to be that room there, I think Steph can even be more. Well, that, involved. but that's the thing though. You're, but, but no, that, no, no. What you're saying is he can't score more than 43 points. He, you know, and I'm not saying he will. I'm saying there's even more there he can do. No, but that's and if, what if I would gonna argue. If they're going to win this finals, they're probably going to need, they're probably going to need even more from his offense. What I would argue is he's not getting open shots now. He had maybe two open shots all of game four. Mm-hmm. He's just making insane shot after insane shot after insane shot. Which is shot. why the Celtics aren't going to change, which is That's why right. there's more there. The Celtics, well, well okay. I, again, I, I think you've just looked at this completely It's backwards. funny that you say that because when Steve Kerr today was asked about how he looks at his half-court offense, he's like, we're giving good shots. And well, I their agree. half-court offense has been hot garbage can, the entire... 
their half court offense has been garbage the entire series. They're they're winning the two games they won. You you created this condition goal, condition green thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. What is condition? Absolutely. What is condition green? When Jason Tatum has seven or more assists, Under, when the Celtics yeah. have 15 or fewer turnovers. When they've done that, right. they're two and oh. When they haven't done that, they're oh and two. That yeah. is what Ime Odoka is talking about. But it's both, Tim. It's both. We're talking about I, two different ends of the court. I just don't think it is both. I think that it's if the, if the Celtics take care of the ball and they move the ball and they don't let the Warriors get 100 offensive rebounds, they will win two of the next three games. You are describing what you are describing what the NBA finals are going to come down to. What the NBA finals are going to come down to is the Celtics saying, Steph, we're going to play this style of defense, and we don't think you're going to be able to beat us over seven. And Steph is saying, especially starting in game four, Steph is saying, challenge accepted. That's one end of the court. At the other end of the court, the Celtics are saying, whatever Steph is doing back down there at the other end, God bless him. If we just take care of our business down here at this end of the court, we're going to be okay. And then there's all kinds of shades of gray within that because who the Warriors are putting out there, specifically at the center position, mm-hmm. is a is a big key for sure. But I'm 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 I mean, look, you guys were giving me weird looks after Game Three. Keep giving those weird looks, dude. Uh, t- dude I was on things. your side after Game Three. I'm just saying, Steph delivered. He delivered the ridiculously high standard of performance that we were asking for, he delivered. And I'm saying if Steph goes 40-plus efficiently, you know, when he does that, the Warriors will win. We can talk about anything. with Also, he might honestly... Have, he might have to go 40-plus inefficiently. That, okay. The other you thing... Know, I'm, again, I'm not saying for the fifth time, I'm not saying I think he's going to shoot a higher percentage or that he needs to score 55. I'm saying... He needs. To, he's leaned into it already, and he's got. To, he might have to lean into it. No, more. he's got. To, he's just, got to create a ridiculous amount of offense. No question. The and other I'm thing, just though, looking at the lay of the land here. I'm listening to what people are saying, and I'm looking at the lay of the land, and I'm. I'm going, dudes. This might get even crazier. Maybe that's why I should have started this podcast off. If I was like, guys, this has been amazing, and this might even get more amazing because you guys have taken a stance that I that I can't possibly be right. We, I'm we, more no, we've taken a stance that you're a ridiculous not, basketball snob. That's the stance we're that's taking. That's not yet. I mean, you've you've been saying insane things about Steph this entire series. I, I this is <laughs> how are they looking? In, how are they looking? How are they I looking? don't I don't understand what your point is. It hey, doesn't make sense. Can I can I say I'm something else? I'm trying to real understand quick? it. We can talk about condition gold, condition green with the sure. with the assisted turnovers with the Celtics. We can talk about Steph. I think game four also reinforced something else that we expected coming in this series. If games are close, the Celtics will crumble. And that was an all time clutch crumbling. And then dude, Steve Kerr made a really gutsy decision. Um, Yeah. Not to pump Draymond Green's podcast, but I thought the way that Draymond reacted to that was pretty fascinating, you know, down to where he's talking about a guy like Juan Toscano Anderson is in his ear on the bench Basically being like, dude, this ain't, you know, this ain't the time to be worried about individual stuff. And and what Steve Kerr basically declared is Draymond's minutes and his, you know, clutch minutes. That's a, that's a game to game decision at this point. He did go back to him with the three minutes when, and whatever left Draymond did deliver some big time plays, the kind of plays you expect Draymond to deliver in those situations, I, I think if there is any doubt that Kerr will still ride with him, at least in that 
kind of, and you know, in the last few minutes, just because, hey, Draymond has proved himself as one of the great winners of this generation. But man, that what a fascinating uh, little spin that thing took when Kavon Looney has been absolutely awesome in this series, in these playoffs. And uh, Stats and Info had a really fascinating stat. The Warriors are rebounding. They're getting 55% of the rebounds with Looney on the floor, 45 with them off the floor. As much as we've talked about how this series comes down to the possession game, turnovers, rebounds, wow, Looney tilts that thing about 10 possessions per uh, per game. He's yeah, been massive, so massive. He played about maybe... I, I got it right here. I got it right here. How many, so more, game, how many more minutes did he play in game four? In game three... He played 17 minutes. And when he wasn't in the starting lineup, I thought this was an insane decision mm-hmm. because I, I didn't did think he was going to, I didn't, and I still didn't think it was good the way it worked out, but mm-hmm. I thought he was only going to play 15, 16, 17 minutes again. He played 28 minutes in game four. Like you said, McMahon, he's plus been 21 out, plus 21. He was flat. He's been flat out better than Draymond green in the series. I thought it was huge that Steve Kerr went with him for that stretch. Draymond came back in and was clearly motivated and played very mm-hmm. well. Those last couple of minutes, he had a huge couple of possessions with about a minute and a half to go uh, setting up what I think it was. Steph or Clay hit the three that put them up six to won the game, uh, put the game away. Um, but I, I thought that that was a huge call by Kerr to do that. Mm-hmm. Looney has to play 25 or more minutes, I think, every game going forward. Because like you said, this, this series is going to come down to the possession battle. And if Boston can win the possession battle, Boston's going to win the series. Like, and if Golden State mm-hmm. wins it, I think Golden State's going to win the series. That is the whole thing. Turnovers for the Celtics, offensive rebounds for the Warriors. When Looney's on the court, he was, as you know, from the Dallas series, he was unstoppable in that series. He had four offensive rebounds again last night. He had 11 total. Like, he is just an absolute monster on the glass, and that's, been, that's going to be a critical thing over these final three games. And he How can many finish around the basket, Since which Draymond got- has failed to do. Well, Draymond can't do anything really anyone for offensively. Bontemps, I think Draymond's minutes went from 38 to 38 32? to 33, 33, okay, 32, 33. Okay. So, and that was five minutes were the five minutes in the fourth quarter, basically. So that's, that's big. And, and, and I'm not sure that they can ask more from Looney in terms of minutes. Right. And so no, that's 28, why if he plays 28 every game, I think that's really good. Cause he's busting right. his ass. He's going after the boards, like, but he right. can't be playing 16. Like that's just not mm-hmm. going to be enough. Right. So, so I think Looney, I don't, you know, in, I don't, I'm not sure Looney can give them more in reference right. to our previous conversation. I think Looney is hitting at the max that he can mm-hmm. do. <clears throat> so I think the reason Kerr switched the starting lineup is because he wanted to have more flexibility for Looney minutes late. And that ended up working. And, and the bottom line is he can't play Looney and Draymond together late in the game because the floor spacing is bad. Uh, so, I mean, you know, I, I just think in general, it's a very interesting series. I mean, not only that it's mm-hmm. two, two, but the both teams kind of um, have the way that they're trying to play and they're trying to ram it through, trying to hope it, hope it works. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Supercuts. Let's face it, life is busy. Between work and family and more work, our to-do lists have a way of getting longer instead of shorter. Luckily, Supercuts is here to make at least the haircut part of your life easy. Supercuts is perfect for people who need a haircut, but don't have a ton of time for a haircut. No more scouring the web for salons with availability. You can use the Supercuts app to find the location nearest to you and check in or just walk in. Another bonus, the salon shows estimated wait times, so you know exactly what you're in for. That way, you're only in salon when you need to be, and don't expect to stay a while. As for the cut itself, 
it's always super solid. Thanks to Supercuts, highly trained stylists. Get in, get out, and get to that thing that you needed a haircut for. Whether you've got a big presentation coming up or a wedding, or you just need some upkeep, Supercuts makes getting a haircut effortless. It's not just any haircut. It's Supercuts. Check in now on the Supercuts app or on Supercuts.com. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. But one guy we haven't talked about that I think is a huge factor here, we talked a lot about stuff, is Jason Tatum. So I think um, we can Tatum's, all agree Jason Tatum has more to give. I think well, we can all agree on that. I don't think there's any argument there. And that gets to the guy I want to talk about, who's Andrew Wiggins who has been the primary defender on Tatum. I'm not saying he's the sole reason that Tatum's uh, been so inefficient, but I, I definitely think you have to give him For his sure. fair share of credit. And Wiggins. Also 16 offensive, 16, not offensive, 16, 16 rebounds. rebounds best in, in game four. Mass. You talk about a guy who has kind of redefined who he is uh, since he's been traded from Minnesota, you know, Minnesota, he, the, uh, the number one overall pick Maple Jordan, he was so hyped for years coming in the league, obviously a huge disappointment. And let's be honest, was basically considered a, a talented loser when the, uh, the Warriors got him. Yeah. He, he always, he was always having 20 point games in losses. It, yeah. He, he, he was considered an empty, empty stats and an empty calories kind of guy. And he has, I, I did think it was a joke. He was an all-star starter. We've made our fun of that. But, man, I give this dude credit. He has become a really – I mean, he's become a great complimentary player playing with – and the culture's obviously helped him, but he's taken the challenge defensively, which is something that definitely wasn't happening in Minnesota, and become a really good – like, he's a top, I don't know what, 10, he's 15 – He's a very solid – He's a very yeah. solid two-way wing player. There are yeah. not very many of those in the NBA. That is a massively valuable thing. And yeah. to have a guy who can guard Tatum and Brown, the only guy really on the roster who's capable of guarding both those guys, mm-hmm. who can play the four and get inside and get on the boards. He was massive in that department in game four. He hit a couple of huge shots um, later in, yeah. the, in the fourth quarter of that game. Like he, like it sounds, it sounds uh, demeaning to say he's a solid two-way wing, Every team in the league is looking for solid two-way wings. Yeah, like he, that is the he's, he's become a very to good pop. two-way wing. And, yeah, uh, he's a really know, good player. He's, he's worth the money that he's being paid this season, for sure. Hmm. Listen, if if you are a, a guy who's playing that type of minutes, that important of a role for a championship team, you're worth that money. Look, he played he's 40, worth the money they're paying him this season. He played 43 well, I don't, minutes I don't in an NBA Finals game. He played 43 minutes in an NBA Finals game. And was plus twenty. That's yeah. It, it, was great. No, like, it was awesome. Where would the where would the Warriors be if they had D'Angelo Russell making the same money instead? They wouldn't be here. <laughs> home. <laughs> yes, they'd be home. Cancun. Well, I think I think that's clear. So in this series, he's um, he's shooting forty three percent overall and thirty. Well, I'll kick it up to thirty two percent from three. Um, 
Uh, he hasn't been super efficient offensively, but he's been very effective, uh, a very effective player. Kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole shooting 43% overall in the series, 36%. Oh, it's okay. And he's gotten a little bit better as the series has gone on. And look, if in game five, Jordan Poole gets a little bit loose because we know he can, you know, he's ignitable and he hits, you know, six, five threes, like he did in game two and Wiggins, um, is able to, you know, instead of shooting, you know, in the low forties, he has a game where he's much more efficient and he shoots 50% in addition to his defense and removes the pressure from Steph having to do so much for them offensively. I mean, that is the formula for what the warriors can have to, to, to win two out of the three. Here's those here's guys another, helping them. Here's another SIG stat, stats and info, uh, group stat for Andrew Wiggins. Jason Tatum's 12 of 36 with three turnovers when he's the primary defender on him, which obviously yeah. is, is so, the majority so, of the time. So, so Tatum, his offense is like almost, as, I don't want to say it's a bonus because they need him to be probably their number two scorer. But when he's work doing that kind of work defensively, well, you know. Well, in a series like this too, it's, it's less to me about efficient offense and it's just more about generating offense against the Celtics defense for them to just that's, get. That's what I was saying 20, about Curry. I got yelled at for saying that. Well, <laughs> Point did make a lot of sense to me and a, and a McMahon. So at least you're outvoted on the pod. Maybe the listeners will disagree. But well, when, when I, do you tell you he's 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 he outranks us just in terms I, of our combined IQ versus that his is, big brain? That that's definitely I, what he would I, say. I'm not saying I'm so. Smart. Okay, here's I, what Ime Udoka said about Jason Tatum's play today, and I'm going to read the transcript so I have the exact words correctly because I think he had an interesting take, and like I told you, I think he tells the truth. For the most part, not always. He definitely, for the most part. he does the vast majority of the time for sure, more than just about any other coach in the league. Um, with Jason, sometimes you equate missing shots to playing poorly. What we've seen is he's had some really good looks, especially in game one. And we knew if he got those same looks throughout the series, he would be successful. Which, by the way, is kind of what they said about the first half of the season, wasn't it? Bon Temps, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we he was like, he was just about the unluckiest player in the NBA from a shooting luck perspective in the first half of the season. So that is certainly what they were saying. Right. Back to the quote. They are trying to take him out and guard him with two at a time and don't want to give him specific matchups. What he's referring to there is they like to switch, but they have, they have been resistant to switch when Wiggins has been on him. Now, sometimes it does happen, but Wiggins has been given the instruction, do everything you possibly mm-hmm. can to stay on him. Um, back to the quote at times he has to be a playmaker. This goes to what we've been talking about in the two wins. He's had 13 and nine assists. He's down around five in the losses. I think he's got a little bit more than five. That's maybe about right. Um, so what basically he may is saying is just because he's shooting 34% doesn't mean he's playing poorly. And I guess that's a fair statement, but what we're basically saying is what I said about Steph Mm. in after game three. Jason, if you want to win the NBA finals, you have to be better. And I don't think he's playing like a dog, although his second half performance um, in game four, I mean, the the expectation for him is really high at this point, as it should be. He's a first-team All-NBA player. If you want to win the NBA finals, you have to, you just have to be more. You have to be better. You have to give more. It's not a referendum on you as a person. It's not a referendum on your career. But... This is really hard. They're playing against a really experienced team. It's the highest level that you can get to in the world of this sport, which he has devoted his life. Mm-hmm. 
He's got to, he's just got to execute better. That's the bottom line. And I mean, he knows that. Yeah. And look, last pod, we were talking about him uh, in in comparison to Dwayne Wade, as far as being the best player on a potential championship team at that young of an age, that the standards high, I mean, go back to D Wade in that 06 series against the Mavericks and people in Dallas are still crying about officiating whatever. It was still absolutely dominant. And we have not seen just a, you know, full blown, absolutely dominant Jason Tatum performance, the, 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 the type that people will be talking about a decade from now, two decades from now. We, we haven't seen that yet in this series. Well, look, on, on two point shots in this series, Tatum is shooting around 25% from the field. I mean, that, yeah, that's just crazy. not, it's just not going to get it done. And as he may said, after game four, he is driving in the lane a lot of times trying to get fouled instead of trying to finish. And so he is then either throwing up shots that miss and is causing runouts the other way. Cause he lays down on the ground for a minute and then gets mm-hmm. up or he gets in trouble. He jumps off his feet. He flings the ball in the air. Like he had several terrible passing turnovers in that this. game too. Yeah. And he, so to here, credit, he, he is, Oh, you got it there. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Here's what he said. So, um, he was asked a question about maybe, and this is something, it's not just, doesn't just happen to Tatum. It happens to a lot of young, high volume, um, you know, guys who have the ball a lot, high usage players where they just hunt fouls and it, it drives the players crazy. It drives the fans crazy when there's not appears to be, doesn't appear to be consistent calls. And that's the nature of basketball. You go in and, and, you know, the officials differentiate between games, sometimes even between quarters, but here's what he said. Um, apparently Ime Odoka said to him that he's playing off one foot too much which um, he's equating basically you're playing off balance. You're trying to force foul. So here's what he said. Coach said playing off one foot and look for fouls has not been working in my favor as much. So I think playing off of two feet and attacking angles instead of trying to initiate the contact and things like that. And it's a game tomorrow and I'm looking forward to it. It's two, two. So not necessarily thinking about what this means for my career, but with things, what I'm thinking about trying to accomplish right now. And so I think, again, when you, when we come to these practice days and we listen to what these guys talk about, some of them are very savvy and they're putting up a front and trying to create diversion. Some of them don't like talking to the media and so they don't say much, but some people describe what's going through their head. And an email earlier was describing what he was going through his head and he was like, you know, I don't, you know, they're, they're, they're scoring the same when Steph had 43, they put up 107 when Steph had 29 or whatever, they put up 105. Like he's, his point is whatever we're handling it. Here's Jason Tatum revealing what he's thinking here, which is I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm getting out of, I'm getting out of balance, literally out of balance. And I need to stay more on balance. And so he is telling you what is in his personal scouting report. Now, is that going to work? Is Are the officials going to give it to him or whatever? No, but here you are hearing what he's thinking about. And he obviously knows that his efficiency has got to be up. And the thing about the, the, this, the assist thing, you know, I do think he's done a much better job as a quote-unquote playmaker over this last season. It definitely, um, his ability to create for others, you know, the, the difference between him being on my first team, all NBA, as he was this year and not, 
um, was I think is because even on nights when he didn't have his outside shot going, he could set up for others. And I think he's done a decent job of that, but um, he just overall needs to be more efficient because he is on pace for having the most turnovers in a playoff run in the history of the NBA. As Bon Temps said, um, the turnovers is everything. And so like, as we're watching Steph go up against that pick and roll and how he attacks that on one end at the other end, when Jason Tatum, we should probably be paying, be paying just as much attention to when Jason Tatum gets going downhill, does he get off a good shot or does he try to hunt for a foul or does he try to dribble through traffic? Or does he try to throw a pass? It doesn't make sense because Jason Tatum, it's not just those missed shots. It's when he's handing the ball to the other team. And that as much as whether Steph can stay this efficient is potentially what this could come down to on McMahon. Yeah, I, I do think the difference is Steph is the lone guy on the Warriors right now who who can carry an offense in a finals game. I mean, Jordan Poole, there he's certainly flashed brilliance as a scorer. He ain't carrying an offense in a finals game. Wiggins isn't. Whereas with Tatum, I mean, Brown has proven that 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 he is capable uh, of that. But so, I mean, the Celtics though, I mean, they they've got to feel pretty good about the fact that this thing's tied up two to two and they're i think they're really disappointed it's not three one i think they well, true. Like they, what i'm what saying he was despite well, the, was the fact say that was tatum, tatum has yeah despite the fact that tatum has not yeah. really had the kind of perform and it's not like he's not capable we i mean this dude went for 46 on the road in a winner go home game six uh in in milwaukee we've seen that he is capable of doing it against you know in, in the most important moments against the best competition we just have he just has not done that in this series yeah look i mean jason tatum like we again to to give brian a little bit of stick we can debate about the how much more there is from from steph but there's unquestionably mm-hmm. more from jason tatum and like a lot of people assumed you know i had to give a prediction i picked he'd be finals mvp he ain't finals mvp or even in the conversation through four games and he just has to be a lot better. And he is a guy that does bring it on defense every night. He does help in ways like that. But when you look at the turnovers for this team, a lot of the time it's when Jason gets out of control and he starts hunting for fouls, he gets up in the air, he starts throwing the ball. That's when Boston gets in trouble. And I thought it was an interesting point that he made about playing off two feet, because if you're going in off two feet, you're a lot stronger in your base. You're going to go through contact and you're going to try to score instead of getting up there and kind of flailing. And that's when he gets into trouble. So I think I, I'm going to be really honed in on that tomorrow because it just it, it's reductive. But if they just don't turn the ball over, the stats speak for themselves. They're 14-2 and two and 0-7 and when it's 16 or more. Like, that's, that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. They can't lose the possession battle. They win the possession battle. They win the game. Keep Looney off the glass. Take care of the ball. They have to feel great about their chances. And then like Wendy right. mentioned, a lot of times when he's in there and he's out of control and he's flinging it up, uh, that can functionally be a turnover. If he's if he's yes. flailing, he's landing in the you know in the third row and it's five on four the other way. That's essentially a turnover. Now, uh, if Looney's not in the game, it, it might be a putback instead of a turnover. <laughs> but yeah, so I. I you know what I happened? There was we'll, a, see, we'll see Tatum at his best at some point in the series. There was a moment, I think it was in the fourth quarter, might have been in the late third, but it was in the fourth quarter where Draymond got a putback. Or, and I'm not a putback. Draymond got an offensive rebound at the rim, and he mm-hmm. was actually kind of open. 
and he turned and instead fired it out to, I believe, Wiggins for a three. Wiggins got a very got a wide open look out of it. He missed the three. I was like, good decision <laughs> because I don't think Draymond would have made it. In, in the, I mean, it wasn't a wide open layup, but it would have been in some traffic. But well, no, the there was another one earlier in the game when he, when he did try to go up for a putback after Steph drove and missed. And it's uh, <laughs> there's a lot of long arms in there for Draymond. Well, and the other thing we haven't talked about at all, speaking of Draymond and just shooting inside, is we also have to see again where Robert Williams looks like. That's what I was going to bring up for our last topic here. Um, mm. So Udoka, after Udoka basically refused to acknowledge he was even hurt after game four, he did acknowledge that he asked out of the game today. Um, and um, he, again, Udoka was in a truth telling mode today for the most part. Um, he said that he doesn't think that Robert Williams re-aggravated the injury, um, but he acknowledges that his knee was bothering him at the end of the game and that he pulled him after he couldn't get over to defend a Steph drive late. He just, you know, all that explosion he had earlier in the game, he was able to get side to side so well he didn't have it. So they are not, you know, he will be listed as questionable, expecting to play, and um, they'll warm him up before the game and see. Von Temps, as you've been talking about, you've really, but you've been talking about Robert Williams since January. But this is uh, this will be another factor. Like w- one of the big things we'll watch in the first moments of Game Five is how's Robert Williams moving. ESPN's Emmy Award-winning Thirty for Thirty documentary film series presents the greatest mixtape ever: the story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the '90s transformed basketball's place in the culture define the lives of players who starred in them and change the game itself forever. Stream now on ESPN plus and listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories. Listen now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Ah, that sound has to make you smile. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Synchronize your online and in-person sales. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting, of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So go to shopify.com slash hoop, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash hoop right now. Shopify.com slash hoop. So right now, as I'm uh, talking to you here, I'm wearing in my ears these new Raycon wireless earbuds. They have become my go-to anything that I need to listen to. They fit really well in your ears. It works when you talk on a microphone, even though it doesn't look like it should, somehow it hears you. I think my favorite part about them, 
their battery life is amazing. What Raycon says is that their everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever, that they have optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, and the earbuds are so comfortable that they will not budge. They offer three sound profiles that you can match when you're listening to, plus noise isolation and awareness mode, so you can choose to be immersed in sound or be able to hear your surroundings when you need to. And like I said, they give you up to eight hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. I go like days and days and days on end without needing to recharge them. And now a bunch of airlines allow you to use your um, headphones. And I go four or five hour flights and don't worry about the battery wearing down. That is a real asset to me. And when you do need to charge it, it's super easy. You can do it wirelessly. So that's a huge selling point. With Raycons, you get the same quality audio as the other premium audio brands. And it's also half the price. Raycon says that they have all kinds of stories of them getting lost in rain and snowstorms and still working afterwards. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 49,000 five-star reviews. So check out Raycon's wireless earbuds. My guess is that you're going to want to leave them a five-star review too. Go to buyraycon.com slash hoop today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash hoop to score 15% off. Buyraycon. Dot com slash hoop. Look, he was plus six in 31 minutes in game five in game four team high and was the best player on the court for most of the game for Boston, despite the fact that he had a line of seven points, you know, I mean, it's seven, 12 and four assists, but he was just an absolute monster inside again. And the Warriors, whenever he was in there, they were like, we ain't dealing with this. We're getting, we're mm-hmm. kicking it out to a three. Like there was no even attempt to score on him. And yeah, like if he's not moving well tomorrow, when the game starts, Boston's in a lot of trouble. Cause he, as we've talked about a ton, he's the only guy that gives Steph any kind of second p- thought to shooting the ball when he's in a pick and roll coverage. And the Warriors are going to feel a lot more confident going to the rim. If it's against Grant Williams and uh, Al Horford and if, Robert can't go or is limited in some form. They play Daniel Tice. Like then it's going to be, all right, we can get to the rim and we can score. If Robert's out there, it's like, we're not even going to try. And so, you know, let's see again, the first, last, games one, three, and four, Robert's come out flying around right from the beginning. looks great. Game two, he was hobbled. Things didn't go well. That's a real bellwether for this team. Yeah. And I don't think anybody doubts that he will play. It's how effective is he? Right. That's um, what he looks like. And it's a good thing Marcus Smart got to put on that DPOY robe uh, this year because he will never be the best candidate on his own team again as long as, as Robert Williams third as long is as on he's that healthy, roster. Because right. he's, he's but, been unhealthy yeah, a lot. We, I mean, we have seen, and no disrespect to Marcus Smart, who obviously is one of, if not the best guard defender uh, and has given generation. Steph and has given Steph a ton of trouble. It just doesn't matter because Steph <laughs> yeah, is right. incandescent. Like he's, it's not these these shots that Steph's making are just absolutely insane. Yeah, and and but we we have seen in these playoffs, Robert Williams III is clearly the most dominant defensive player uh, on that roster, and and I mean you could argue in the Eastern Conference. And that's and so, that's with him at like seventy percent the whole time too. Like when they were destroying teams by twenty points every game for the two month stretch before he got hurt. Like he was just an unstoppable menace mm-hmm. and you see that in flashes now and like even in the finals, but he's clearly not close to hundred mm-hmm. percent. He might be 70% when he's feeling good even. So like, yeah, I mean, he's just a, he's a special, special talent at that end of the court. 
Um, sub bellwether. Is there such a thing as a sub bellwether? What would be the one step down from bellwether? Secondary. We'll think about maybe. It. Um, bellwether junior uh, in game one and game uh, three, the Celtics wins Al Horford was uh, 14 of 19 on three pointers. Now that's extreme. You can't expect mm-hmm. him to continue to shoot that way. Um, in the two losses, he's uh, three of 10. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking more at the attempts than anything. Yeah. So he's averaging twice as many threes uh, attempted. Um, Wasn't he 0 for 1 in, in game 2? Wasn't it he that? Was one for f- one for four. He was 1, one for, for 4, four. Okay, and then he was bad. 2 for 6. He was mm-hmm. 2 for 6 in game 4. I'm sorry. I was giving his overall shots, not threes. His overall shots. Okay. Um, his three. You're right. He was. He didn't even take one in game two. You're correct. I there apologize. you go. Right, right, right. His his three pointers in the in the uh, win. He only had one in game three, but he was um, five of seven overall shooting. Um, so uh, it's not that I think Horford needs to hunt shots or anything, but it's indicative of the Celtics' offensive operation. Yeah. When the ball well, is moving, not being mm-hmm. turned over. So well, and Horford also. Obviously, older player, right? There's only one day yeah. between games three and four. Get the full weekend now to rest. Same with Robert Williams, full weekend to rest. Um, it's crazy. We were wondering about how Same Steph, with Steph was feeling, Curry, right? Full right. I mean, yeah. full weekend to rest for him. But like, you know, I mean, obviously he looked just fine physically in game four. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you said at the beginning, Brian. I mean, it's it's a fascinating series because Golden State isn't really capable of doing anything different, right? They have to, Steph's got to be the engine they gotta, for everything they gotta, for them they on offense. Lean in, they got to lean into what they've been doing is the best. And hope, you know, and, you always and, have the mo- the Clay or Jordan Poole, you know, one-off moment, but. Right, and the, and the Celtics throughout the playoffs, like I am not surprised they're not doing anything different because they, throughout this entire run, they do what they do. And like that, that's how they're going to play. They don't. They haven't really conformed to anybody this whole run. They've kept playing the same way all the way through. I didn't think that was going to change in this series. And I think for them, they look at these games as if we do what we're supposed to do, we are going to win. It's in our control to win these games. And that is a really interesting push and pull on both sides, where both sides think if we do what we can, we can win. And, you know, it's made for a pretty compelling series so far. And hopefully we get a couple of more. But the one thing we didn't emphasize enough, I don't think, was what Man's point earlier about clutch play was waiting for one of these games to be close. You're right. The Celtics going back to the start of the season have been God awful in late close situations. Why do you think that is? um, We've talked about it a little bit, but you know, this team better than anybody. I just think it's the same reason that they can't win games after they win games in these playoffs, right? They just don't. The last thing this team is lacking is the right requisite level of focus at all times. Like you look at the end of game four, right? Clay Thompson at this point is not the same player he was before. Draymond Green, not the same player he was before. Mm-hmm. But Jalen Green catches or Jalen Brown catches the ball in the wing right on the out of bounds line. Clay knocks it off him out of bounds, gets a turnover for the self or for the Warriors going the other way, right? Draymond gets benched. He's been god awful the whole series. He comes in, he gets a key offensive rebound. He sets up Steph for a three. Like they know how to play mm-hmm. in those moments. The Celtics just don't, they just don't lock in the way they need to all the time. It's like they have to have their back against the wall. And it's like, okay, now we're going to lock in. We're going to not turn the ball over. We're going to do all this stuff. And at every turn in these playoffs, when the few moments the games have been close all season, they've lost just about every time. And so if it's a five-point game with five minutes to go in either direction, massive advantage to me, to Golden State. 
because they and have never was, proven they could play this way, even when they were good. Even the, even the quote unquote close win that they had in game seven on the road in Miami. Yeah. Why it was it close. a close win? Right. It was that a close like, win because it was almost the worst choke of all time. That's like, like you can't create your own save situation if you're a reliever. You can't come in with I mean, up five and it gets down to one. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. They, they definitely created their own their own clutch situation. And even <laughs> and even when they went 28 and seven to close the season, one or two times they played close games. They played a, a really great game against Dallas in Boston. Yeah, Dinwiddie and Spencer Dinwiddie mm-hmm. closed the game out. Like they through that whole run, they were just obliterating people. And in the so playoffs, when they won, they've obliterated people. Yeah, and it's close. Like, it's not you know, good. In one game settings, anything could happen. Like I said, Jordan Poole could score twenty three, and Steph would only need twenty, and they could win game. But game if you're five. looking, but, but if you're looking at it, you're going Steph Curry on one side, and the right. Celtics on the other side. You're well, going to be I'm feeling like is, you're going to be riding Steph Curry in that spot, right? So, so acknowledging that you could have one off situations. Okay, that's what happens in basketball games. The Celtics really need to play so that they have a lead going into the fourth quarter. They need, and that's a problematic. Well, it'd be nice. It'd also be nice if they could. Be nice if they could win a single third quarter, like one time. Yeah. I keep going on daily Hell, wager. I keep saying bet even, the third quarter, people. Every game, don't bet even the win the third quarter. Don't even win. Just play it relatively even. I mean, um, they're still even the last two games. They were better, and they still lost by like seven or eight points in the third quarter, right, and they right. immediately gave up huge run. I mean, it's it's just it, this team. It is incredible that we're at, we're talking about the Celtics being 2-2 in the NBA Finals when they haven't been able to win home games in the playoffs. They can't win clutch games in the playoffs. They keep getting drilled in the third quarter all season and in the playoffs. It's like these are all things you look at and go, ah, these are going to be bad things. And for these guys, it just hasn't mattered. They just keep rolling along. Well, we're intrigued. We're intrigued. So uh, that's what you want in the finals. Um, We'll be uh, talking to you after game five from the floor and these gentlemen will be joining me before game six we know there's going to be six we'll be back in boston then thanks for listening to Hoop collective and we will talk to you soon adios amigos And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply.